Come on, church. We praise you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Lord, we thank you as we come right now to listen to your word to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Pray that you would open our heart, impregnate our heart with the seed of your word, that it might bring forth a harvest way beyond the initial moment of sowing, way beyond the moment where our hearts catch it by faith. We pray, Holy Spirit, today we would hear your voice, we would hear from heaven, and as a result of hearing from you, that still small voice that sometimes gets drowned out by the shouts around us. Lord, as we listen to your word, we pray that something supernatural would take place in our lives. Something supernatural would take place that would glorify your name, that would bring praise to you, Jesus. Because Jesus, as you have said, you are the same yesterday, today, Today, right now, yes and forever. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Fantastic. We're going to get into God's word right now. Who's looking forward to Andy Elms coming next week? Woo! Awesome. He's going to be here, like Faye said, in the morning and in the evening too. You may wonder why we're having an evening service. Well, when you get somebody like Andy through or when we get a visiting speaker through, we want to max them out. We don't want to just give you a morning session. We feel that it's really important to, you know, get the full impact of a ministry gift like Andy. So we're opening it, opening it up for the evening service. Please Um, If you can make it, please come. I understand Sunday's a busy evening. You know, you're prepping for school if you're a parent, getting the kids ready uh, the the night before and stuff for school. But please, you know, take, we don't do it every week. We certainly, you know, aren't doing it regularly at the moment. But things can change. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, please put it in your diary because every time Andy has come, over the many years of, of ministering here, he's always come with a real significant word uh, from God to us. So put that in your diary. Um, I want to start something uh, today uh, that I'm going to continue on for a few weeks as the Holy Spirit allows me and enables me. But I want to begin to talk to you about growing in God's grace, growing in God's grace. God's grace is on your life. God's blessing and God's favor is all over you. Very often, it's difficult to define what grace is. It's very difficult to, to explain it and for us to comprehend it because in, in many ways, it's completely 
undefinable. It's infinite. It's wonderful. It's glorious. And it comes into our lives and it changes our lives and it empowers our lives to be what they could never be on their own outside of grace. When God's grace and God's favor is on your life, your life is going somewhere. Your life is becoming something that you may be surprised about in the future. When God's grace is being unpacked in your life, things are going to happen, things are going to change, not only externally, they will, they will change certainly, but also internally. There's a shift that's happening as a result of God's grace, of God's power. It's not your ability. It's not your intelligence. It's not your education that enables the, the change to come about in your life as a Christian. It's God's grace. It's God's power. It's undefinable. It's indescribable. It's infinite. It's as infinite as God is. It's as mysterious as God is. God's grace, as a result of you being in Christ Jesus, is all over you. And that means that your life is going somewhere. That means that, you know, you're not just going to stop where you are. You're not just going to, you know, your life is not just going to end with that disappointment. Your life is not just going to end in that bitterness. Your life is not going to just end in that, in that black hole of depression and fear. God's grace, by the end of it all, God's grace is going to get you out of that and you're going to look back and you're going to think, my God, how did I overcome that depression? How did I overcome that fear? How did I conquer that habit, that addiction, that sin that I'm so ashamed of? I'll tell you how you conquered it. You didn't conquer it. God conquered it for you as a result of his grace on your life. Telling you, you can't buy it. You can't, you know, work for it. You don't have to labor and sweat for it. You don't have to fast for it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't even have to be a good boy for it. In fact, you know, Paul said that, that when we sin, God's favor and God's grace comes on you all the more. All the more. And that's, that in itself is so offensive to a religious mindset. It is so offensive to a rules and a system that says you've got to do this to get that. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say you've got to do this. You've got to, you've got to be a good boy or a good girl to get my grace on your life. In fact, when we are in the pit, when we have followed, you know, our own voice and walked away from God and gone into things that we shouldn't have gone into, it's there that you find God's grace available for you. Paul said this, where sin abounds, Grace abounds all the more. Where sin abounds, he says, grace superabounds. Superabounds. Where sin is present, grace comes in and takes control. Grace is not a passive thing. Grace is active and powerful. And aggressive against anything that wants to bring you down. Anything that wants to alter your course. 
Grace can take a drug addict and change him and change her. Grace can break the power of an addiction that's held people for years. Grace can, can, can smash any area of your life that wants to take you in a contrary way to where God has destined you to go. That's what grace can do. And it's all over you as a result of Jesus being in your life. It really is. It really is. Another world's calling. <laughs> Jesus is wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. Do you know, have you ever been, you know, disappointed by your progress? Have you ever looked at your Christian life and, and wondered, you know, you know, am I really making it? Am I really a Christian? Have you ever asked that question? You look at your performance, you look at your behavior, you look at some of the things you've said, and you think about some of the thoughts that you've thought, and it, it all comes out on the table, and there it all is, and it just looks so unchristian. It just looks as if you haven't got this new life that you're singing about this morning. It looks as if you've got more evidence that you're outside of Christ, that you're in Christ, than you're in Christ. And sometimes we look at our performance and we get so disappointed by what we see. We add up all the facts. We add up all of the events and we, we add up all of the failings. And all of the failings come and, and they present themselves to us and they kind of say to us, you're not a Christ follower. Sorry for spitting, but Peter always needs a wash. <laughs> hey. He gets me loads, I tell you. Yes. So, where was I? Where was I? You know, we, we, our failure presents itself before us, and all of the things that we do in the way that we fail present themselves before us. And they kind of say to us, you're not a Christ follower. You haven't got this life. If you had this life of Christ in you, you, you wouldn't be saying the things that you're saying. You wouldn't have the attitude that you've got. You wouldn't be thinking the things that you're thinking. And we get weighed down by that. But you know, Jesus is here to tell you this morning, if you are disappointed with your performance, if you are disappointed by where you are today, Jesus is here today to give you the confidence that Paul spoke about that I've already talked about earlier, where he said, we can be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not about our religious performance. It's not about us jumping through the religious hoops to please God. It's Christ that's begun a good work within you, and he will perform it. He's at work at you. On another occasion, Paul said to the, to the church in Philippi, because they were having the same questions about their performance, they were having the same issues in their mind back then as we have today. He said, listen, it's God who works inside you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God's at work within you, church. And the work of God within you is a work of grace. There may be areas today about your life that you're not happy with. I'm telling you now, by the time grace touches those areas, they will be transformed. They may not be transformed today. 
But I'm telling you now, whatever God touches, he transforms. Whatever God touches, he changes. And you begin to see a miraculous growth, a miraculous growth in areas of your life that you only can attribute to the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been provoked? Let me ask you that. Oh, yes. We've all been provoked. You've been provoked. And somebody stood up to you. I remember years ago, I've shared this a number of times, but it was such a powerful, a powerful instance in my life where I saw the power of God's grace at work, in operation. And I remember years ago, uh, being in Yorkshire with my mum and dad, and they were living above an insurance broker's. And one day, one Saturday, my, my dad asked me to do some work on his car. He bumped his car, and we were just going to fill the panel, sand it down, spray it to make it look a little bit tidy. So we got to work. We did this. And um, as we were working, this guy came out who owned the flat that they lived in and the insurance brokers below. He was a businessman. Nice man. A really gentle man, a gentle demeanor, a polite man. And he came out and he saw us and he came over to us. He said, oh, guys, what are you doing? And we just told him, you know, my, my dad's really polite person. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, Keith, he said, I'm just fixing the car. He said, my son's down. He said, we're just trying to make it look a bit tidy. He had sort of a, he didn't have a great car, my dad, but it got him from A to B. But Keith had a really nice car. And uh, he looked over, and then he looked over to his car, and he said, uh, what have you done? So we looked at him and wondered what he was saying, because his gentle tone suddenly changed. There was anger in his voice, frustration in his heart. He said, what, are, what have you done? What do you think you're doing? And my dad stood forward. He said, Keith, what's the matter? He said, can't you see the dust? So he said, no, Keith, we can't see any dust. We're outside. Very politely, very gently. And Keith is getting even more infuriated as a result of my dad's attitude. Can't you see? What dust are you talking about, Keith? The dust on my car. I was polishing that yesterday for four hours. And now you and your son have made an absolute mess of my car with that dust from that filler on your car. This is disgraceful. This is disgusting. All the work that I've done, all the hours that I've put into my car, and his car was shiny. His God, the God that he was cleaning, the God that he was polishing, oh, it was glistening. It was glistening. And usually when you touch their God, I'm telling you, you're going to hear about it. When you touch their little iPod and they don't want you to discipline them and take it from them, when you touch that little idol, guess what? You're going to hear about it. You're going to hear some screams. It's amazing when we touch people's gods, how they begin to cry out. Whatever God it is, and he cries out, and it was ugly, and it was messy. And my dad said, look, Keith, what can I do? You can't do anything. So... Now, it was many years ago, and I wasn't so nice and kind back then. 
I was a follower of Jesus. I could sing the songs. I could play the guitar. But let's say the work of Jesus hadn't, you know, sunk down from head into heart. And I'm still a work in progress now, as many of you know. I was getting as angry as Keith. But not about his car, about him just speaking to my father like he was a piece of dirt under Keith's shoe. And I suddenly stood to the fore and I was just about to rip in to him like he was ripping into my dad. Because the Bible does say in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If somebody smacks you on the right side of the head, smack them back. And I knew my Old Testament, friends. Oh, yes. I knew my Old Testament well. So I'm thinking, yep, I'm going to practice your word in full faith, God. I'm going to rip into this man and I'm going to show my dad exactly what I think of him. But you see, I was living in the Old Testament. My dad was living in the New. And there's a massive difference An absolutely massive, massive difference. The difference is law and grace. And when you're living in grace, life can't make you a captive. When you're living in grace, life can't conquer you. When you're living in grace, no matter how hard life comes, no matter how complicated it gets, grace will get you through. It's a power. It's a force. It's indescribable. It's incomprehensible because it's God himself living in you. His grace is sufficient for the moment. More than sufficient for the moment. My dad could see me at boiling point. My little ears were even bigger than they are today, friends. My eyebrows, they grew a few hairs that day. And he put, yeah, I had air back there, Pete. He put me, he stood, do you know what? Grace stands in front of the law. Grace stands in front of immature Christianity and says, I'll take it from here, son. And I went behind him, kept my little mouth shut. And he said, Keith, what can I do for you, please? And he genuinely, genuinely, you know, this wasn't just, you know, some act. Please, I'm so sorry. We were honestly, we would never have done this. If we'd have known that it was going to, you know, put dust on your car. I am so sorry. Can I wash it for you, Keith? Can I get it? Can I pay to get it washed? My dad was unemployed at the time. But he would have paid to get it washed, get it, whatever it takes. Keith, we will do. Keith just kept on with his insults. Kept prodding, kept baiting, kept jabbing. I want to get something out of you, John. I don't want to get grace out of you. I want to get a fight out of you. I want to get anger out of you. I want to get a complaint out of you, John. Come on, John. Grace. 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 What's life been doing to you? How's it been prodding you? What's it been getting out of you? Listen, God's doing a work of grace in you. And we stumble and we fail in many ways. But by the end of it all, you're going to see a wonderful grace 
growing up inside of you that enables you to respond to all of the variances of life in a way that Jesus would respond to them. And you're going to look at yourself and you're going to say, I don't recognize who I am anymore. Let me ask you a question before I go back to the little story with my dad. I want to ask you a question. Let's see if anybody's intelligent in here this morning. We'll have an intelligence test right now. It's a really hard, deep question, friends. Oh, we're going to see who's got the brains here this morning. Let me ask you, why are you wearing the clothes that you're wearing today? Why aren't you wearing the clothes that you wore when you were four years of age? Why aren't you wearing today the, the clothes when you were five or six? Now, I know you may look at me and think, well, you are wearing those clothes, Dave, because <laughs> I've got very tight jeans on. Right? But let me, uh, we're not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Why? Why are you wearing the clothes that you're wearing today, friends? Why aren't you wearing the clothes that you wore when you were a four-year-old kid? Why aren't you wearing the shoes that you wore when you were a child? Any takers? Hey, you've outgrown those clothes. If we were to try and put those clothes on you, the very growth of your body would break them. The very strength of, of, of your being wouldn't fit into those former clothes, wouldn't fit into those things that were good many years ago, but today they are no good. It's exactly like that with the grace of God. When the grace of God begins to unpack itself in your life, when you begin to grow in the grace of God, those old attitudes that, that, that once were so prevalent in your life, those old mindsets, those old actions, those old habits, those addictions that you couldn't let go of suddenly become too small for your life. Suddenly, like an old pair of clothes, like a small pair of clothes, grace just breaks through them and just won't allow you to go back there. The analogy, the illustration is simple. Once grace touches an area of your life, it's changed, transformed forevermore. Forevermore. So you get provoked in work. You get provoked in life. You never get provoked by your spouse, or maybe you do. You get provoked by the other half, whether it's a he or a she. You get provoked, and before you would have, you would have just bit in like a Jack Russell. You would have bit into the issue like a, like a staff, and, and you know, you wouldn't let go until you resolved the issue, until you resolved the moment. And you would have to win your way. You would have to get through. You would have to have your say. We've all been there. You bite in. But when grace has touched that area, you ain't wearing those clothes anymore. Those clothes don't fit. You've put on new garments and we'll go there one day. I'll tell you exactly what they are. Those, those garments that fit so perfect for a new life in Christ. And no longer, when the issue comes, no longer are you biting in. No, darling. 
I'll get that remote control for you so you can watch EastEnders. No, my love. Of course I'll make that piece of toast and serve it to you on a plate in bed. Would you like your eggs sunny side up or flipped over? What would you like? Would you like one sugar or is it two today, my darling? Grace is incredible. It transforms you to a place that you don't recognize. You don't recognize it. Can you do it? No. No, you can't. Just stand up, hold your hands up in the air and say, God, I can't deal with this anger problem. But it's not my problem because you've purchased my life. My life is not my own. So my problems I don't own, they belong to you. They belong to you. He's going to deal with it. You're going to see a grace awakening, a grace growing up inside of you that enables you to go through all of the complexities of life. And when life comes and he wants this decision and it wants this reaction and it wants you to, to, to go in this way, you'll just respond gracefully to it. So, Keith goes off very, very angry. Then my dad gets my anger. Dad, why didn't you tell him? It is so wrong what he did. Listen, if you live with right and wrongs, friends, it's over. If you live on that basis of trying to judge this and judge that and sort this out and sort that out, you're going to live an unhappy life. Just let grace win the day. Just let grace do its thing. Just let grace go to work on those areas in your life. It's sufficient. It's more than sufficient for the moment. Dad, why? Why, 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 why? You should. And I let into my dad. And my dad just looked at me and smiled. And he said, oh, Dave, just leave it to the Lord. Leave it to the Lord. Are you serious? Give me a break. Leave it to the Lord, Dave. Well, we went in, had tea. Went to bed. Six o'clock the next morning. Knockity knock, knock, knock. On the door. We're all up early. Dad says to mum, Oh, I wonder who that could be, Di. Mum's at the back. You remember it, Mum, don't you? She remembers it well. <laughs> They've seen this grace work over many, many years in lots of different situations of life. It never fails, friends. It's more than sufficient for the need, for the issue. It's very powerful. When it's on a situation, it won't let it go until it molds it and manipulates it and brings glory to God. Knockity knock, knock, knock. I wonder who, could, who that could be. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Go down and see who it is. Morning, Keith. How are you? Now, Keith has got a very, very different demeanor now. The anger's gone. The rage and the aggression is not there. At six o'clock in the morning, Keith is a very different man because Keith hasn't been able to sleep all night because grace has been at work. 
Grace has been working on Keith. And he said, John, please, let me come in. I must speak to you before I go to work. I have something to say to you. Up he came, sat down at the breakfast table, and poured his heart out. Please forgive me, John. Now, this is an unbeliever, friends. This isn't somebody that knows Jesus. Please forgive me, John. I've done something terrible. I can't believe. I don't know what came over me, John. Please, please forgive me. I, and he, he profusely apologized. Couldn't stop apologizing. And my father said, Keith, it's absolutely fine. It's not a problem. We all make mistakes. You see, Grace didn't stand up and say, well, I told you so. And yeah, you shouldn't have done it. No, he didn't rub his nose in it. He gracefully and gently embraced him. Keith left, and the power of God's grace was seen. I'm going to give you a scripture. We're going to finish in a moment. I'm going to ask some musicians just to come. But over the weeks, we're going to look at this. God's grace in our lives. Because let's make this clear right here. Grace is not just a doctrine. It's a demonstration. It's a demonstration. It's not just something to be taught about. It's something to live in. It's something to experience. It's something that unpacks itself in your life and it diffuses itself through your life to other people like it did from my dad to Keith. But very often, some of the situations that we find ourselves in order for that grace to be diffused are quite difficult. Do you know there's one flower that only emits an aroma when it's crushed by the heel? And sometimes in our lives, we go through crushing experiences for that new life, that new aroma of grace to come through. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10, Paul tells us that we have been saved by grace. Let me read it to you. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I loved it when Faye said this morning, Jesus wasn't waiting for us to get good before he saved us. Jesus wasn't expecting for us to clean our act up. No, we were living, all of us, in shame. We sang about amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I'm telling you now, I hold both hands up in the air this morning and tell you I was a complete and utter wretch without Jesus, without his grace. There was nothing good that he could find in me. I've often said, you know, how bad a sinner I was. And one day Pete said to me, Dave, you, you're saying a lot that you, that you were a bad sinner. How bad were you? And I said to him, and it was the Spirit of God, I said, Pete, I was that bad a sinner the Bible writes about me in Ephesians 2. I was dead in my sin. That's how bad I was. 
an absolute wretch. I had nothing good going for me. And then grace came in and said, I'll take that and I'll make it a jewel, a trophy in my hand. We're saved by grace, Paul says. Incredible understanding. And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's not because of anything we could do. It's just an amazing free gift, an amazing free gift from God. Wonderful. It's not of you. You can't boast about it. This wonderful work inside you, it's not as a result of you being religious or you being good or you doing nice things, you know, walking old ladies across the road. It's nothing to do with it. It's a gift. It's a gift from God that he held out to you and you accepted it and it resulted in new life in Christ Jesus. A removal from the dead place that you were in into a new life, a living relationship with Christ Jesus who is full of grace. But this grace, let me, let me say this to you, this grace doesn't just save you. It does save you. It's wonderful. It's miraculous. It's incredible. Paul tells us it saves us. But Peter tells us that we actually grow in grace. We're saved by grace, which is wonderful. But we actually grow in grace too. 2 Peter 3, 17 to 18, it says this. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand... Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Grace saves us. Grace enables us to grow. We grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of that growing in grace, what you're going to find is those clothes that you once wore so comfortably, those, those clothes that in a previous season suited you so well, they will suit you no more. Those old attitudes, those old ways of doing things and thinking things and responding to things will be gone just like, a, like a, a, a set of clothes that won't fit you. And you'll rise in the power of a new life. You'll rise in the power of a new grace to meet life. And it will display itself through you in a multiplicity of ways. And you'll be able to bring glory to Jesus. Andy, see you next week. But after next week, I'm going to continue this. Faye's got a word as well on it. It's amazing. We got the same word about growth. Not knowing really that we were, that, that the Holy Spirit was talking to us simultaneously about this whole aspect. Church, I tell you now, what is ahead of us is wonderful growth. Not just numerically, but inwardly, where we can see the expansion of a new life, the expansion of a, of a new nature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, Jesus said, or Paul said. And you're going to see an increase. You're going to see an expansion of this grace, of this life within you.
Amen. Close your eyes a minute. We're going to pray. Maybe somebody here today. And you've never asked Jesus into your life, into your heart. But you've sensed his presence here. You might not have understood it. Maybe you felt his love touching your heart that's hurt. Maybe you felt just a peace here. You've wondered what it's about. I know you may have felt that because I've felt it too. I've had many occasions in my life where that peace has just come close and made everything calm. I want to pray with you today. I'd love you to give me the opportunity right now to pray, to ask Jesus into your life. He won't let you down. He'll never fail you, forgive you of your sin. He is a friend that sticks closer than any other. He really is. He can remove your fear and your trouble and your pain and your sorrow. Would you like to pray with me this morning to ask him into your life, to ask him to hold your hand, to never leave you, to be a friend forever, to save you? I want to pray with you right now while eyes are closed in respect for this moment. If you want me to pray for you, lift your hand up quickly and I'll pray. That's it. This hand's going up. That's it. Lift your hand. I'll wait a moment. Jesus. He's a Savior. We can do lots of things, but we can't save people. We can do lots of things, but we can't go inside and bring peace where there's pain. Bring peace where there's fear. Bring peace and wholeness where there's brokenness. Only Jesus can do that. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in your heart with me quietly. Say, thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. I believe that you've forgiven me of my sin. I believe that you want to be my friend, that you want to walk with me through life every day. Thank you. I believe that you are alive that you died on the cross for me. Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.